0: Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people who know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the following message. All right, good morning. How are we? Good, it's great to be with you. You know, I was sitting here thinking, you know, when you start getting, you know, hot and heavy into your uh, New Year's resolutions, you can always be reminded that, you know, no matter how hard it gets or no matter what you're facing, uh, it can always be worse. You could be in an icy cold lake with an upside down canoe. I hate that he told me that story because I've been laughing ever since. So um, I even told him, I said, how did you forget to tell me about that in our meeting this last week? Because that's great. That's pretty funny. Uh, so again, when you get to the you know the, the month where you're in Leviticus and your Bible study reading plan, just remember, you could be reading Leviticus in an icy cold lake. Or maybe when that gym membership and you're like, man, do I really want to do this this early in the morning? You could be in an icy cold lake. <laughs> Gosh, that's great. That's funny. Happy New Year to you and your family. Uh, I missed you last week, and so it's good to be able to tell you Happy New Year. Uh, man, 2022 was a great year. Uh, man, i I'm I, It's crazy to think that I've been here for a year uh, to get to serve as pastor. And man, it's been a blessing. It's been so fun. And we've seen God do some great things in 2022. And I just know without a shadow of a doubt that God's going to do great things in 23. So I hope you're geared up. I hope you're ready for it. I hope you're excited for what God's going to do. So this morning, we're going to begin a new series called Who is God Anyway? Who is God anyway, but before we do that, I'm gonna ask you a a rather deep question. So I hope you've had enough caffeine this morning. I hope your brain's working, you're alive and you're alert. It's an important question, it's a deep one, but here's the question. What is the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word God? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word God? Wow, okay, we're, we're, gonna do, we're gonna do this this morning, all right. Yeah, what's the first thing? When you think of God, what's the first thing you think of? You know, some of you in the room might think of, man, just loving God, loving Father, right? Maybe some of you, when you think about God, your nerves begin to fade, and you begin to feel a sense of peace over you. That rising blood pressure suddenly starts to slowly come back down. Maybe when you hear the word God, you have a sense of joy and a sense of peace and a sense of security that comes over your heart. When you think about God, you think of his patience and his grace with you. Right, that when you're frustrated at work or frustrated at home with kids and you're just exhausted with life, you're reminded that God's never exhausted with you, He's never done with you, right? He's never grows impatient with you, but He's always good, He's always kind, and He's always faithful to you. Maybe that's what you think of when you think of the word God. But you know, others of you in the room this morning might think of something completely different. When you hear the word God, it strikes a Maybe a fear in your heart of, man, what's the next domino that's going to fall in my life, right? No, maybe you, you get a sense of, of loneliness or, or abandonment. Maybe you feel abandoned or alone. Maybe you think of a tyrant who all he wants from you is your obedience. Or maybe when you hear the word God, you think of, just yet again, someone else that you're constantly disappointing Oh, here we go again. Just another, another day of disappointing God. You know, the, the reason why I think it's important that we understand who God is is because of a quote that A.W. Tozer wrote many, many years ago. He writes this. I think it's really great. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I think he's right. See whether we have a good picture of God or whether it's a more negative picture of God it has the power to impact everything about our lives. You know C.S. Lewis famously wrote this he says I believe in God like I believe the sun has risen not only because I see it but because by it I see everything else. So it is with God right When we think of God, it has the power to transform everything about our lives for the good or the worse. It has the power to change the way that we see ourselves, the way that we see the world that we inhabit. But it also has the power to transform the way that we see others. And so this morning, the reason why we're asking the question, who is God? And the reason why we're studying this is because it's incredibly important, See, that's the starting point of everything else in life. If we don't get that right, then we're not going to get anything else right. Because again, it has the power to transform everything about us, about the way we see ourselves, the way we see the world, the way we see others. And so it's incredibly important. But that's not the only reason why we're going to study God in the beginning of 2023. The second reason that we are going to study um, this series is because that, or to study God is because we're invited to you know that did you know that the God of the universe actually invites you to study him to get to know him to walk with him and to enjoy him just think about that for a minute not only does it have the power to transform everything in your life but we're invited into this relationship where you and I are, are literally invited to enjoy him, to walk with him, to get to know him. In fact, in John chapter 17, verses one through three, Jesus is praying for his disciples, his current disciples back then, the disciples that he was doing life with. But then he's also praying for all of those who are gonna come to know him in the future. It's called the high priestly prayer. Here's what Jesus prays. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all of flesh, over all flesh, to give eternal life to whom you have given him. And notice this, notice what Jesus says right here. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, in whom you have sent. This is eternal life that you would know God. You want to experience life on this earth, and the best way you will experience life is to begin with God, to begin a relationship with Him, to get to know Him, to walk with Him, and to enjoy Him, to say yes to that invitation to get to know Him. Now, about a year ago, I uh, got on the computer and I emailed. A, a, a Pastor who's up in the Houston area Very well known pastor Very successful God has used him in a, in, a, in a lot of different ways And so I just thought you know what I'm going to email this guy And on the off chance that he even sees this email Maybe he will respond And just maybe Just maybe he'd be willing to meet with me And teach me some things And so I email him and I think okay you know maybe he'll maybe he'll respond and so I email him and I just say hey listen I know you're busy but I would love an opportunity to get some time with you I've got a lot of questions I'm a new pastor and I've got a ton of questions that I would love to pick your brain on well he never responded a week went by two weeks went by a month went by three months went by nine months went by never heard from him and to be honest I didn't even know that he hadn't written me back. I got so busy, I hadn't even really thought about it until about two weeks ago. And I get an email from him. And here's what he said. He goes, hey, Logan, I am so sorry. I, uh, somehow or another, your email got buried in my inbox and, and I just lost it, but I found it. And so I'm writing you now. I'd love some time with you. I'd love to spend some time to get to know you, hear your questions. I'd love to help you in any way that I can. You know. And so then I'm in this kind of, predicament right because now I've got to go okay am I going to allow my pride to say no you know what you didn't have time for me then you know I wasn't a priority for you then I'm good I've got it all figured out I've been here a year I know all the answers you know or I could say you bet I would love to learn from you I'd love a meeting with you and so as you might expect That's exactly what I said. You bet. I would love to meet with you. As a matter of fact, I will work my calendar around yours. In the same way, the God of the universe has invited you to get to know him, to learn from him, to spend time with him. And so we can allow our pride to get in the way, allow our schedules to get in the way, allow all the most important things that, that we have in our lives to get in the way, or we can accept the invitation and we can say, you know what, God, I'll work my calendar around you because I wanna to get to know you this year. I wanna spend some time with you this year. I wanna to get to know you. So the reason why we are studying the character of God is number one, because it's incredibly important because by it has a power to transform everything, right? But then also too, because God invites us into it and we're gonna say yes, right? We're gonna accept that invitation, right? Yes, we're going to accept that invitation. But then here's the the third reason why we're doing this study. The third reason is because I think there's a ton of misinformation about God out in the world. Right? I mean, you can even go to Christian bookstores and pick up a random book on a shelf, and it completely leads you astray. It's just true. It's kind of sad, this kind of world we're living in. um, you, You see it on the media. You see it on TV. All of these kind of crazy things about who God is. And so, man, I want, us, I want us to the best of our ability to know who God is. If it's important and it has the power to transform everything, and he invites us to know him, well, then I want us to get it right to the best that we can on this side of eternity. And so that's why we're doing it. We are going to dig down deep, and we're going to attempt to get to know God. Now, here's the deal. I think it's fair to say that, that we're living in a Romans 1 kind of world you know what I mean by that when I say a Romans 1 kind of world you know what I'm talking about well I tell you what let's just go there if you would go ahead and turn your Bible to Romans chapter 1 I think this is going to help us this morning but I think it'll help you see what I mean when I when I'm saying that we're in a Romans 1 kind of a world Okay, Romans chapter one. We're going to begin reading in verse 18. This is the word of the Lord. This is Paul is writing. This is Paul who's writing this. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Notice what Paul says there. It's really, really important. He says, Notice that we choose by our unrighteousness. By our sin, to suppress or to ignore what we know to be true. Paul's going to explain that a little bit further. He says, for, what, we can, for what, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. He's revealed it to them. He's revealed it to us. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they, and now us, are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, claiming to, to have it all figured out, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Here's the result. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to this honoring of their bodies against, amongst themselves. And notice this. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshipped and they served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, the point that Paul is trying to make here is that God has revealed himself in creation in such a way that we are without excuse. That we ought to be able to look out at creation and go, most certainly there is a God. And by the way, here is what this God is like. We ought to be able to look at creation, we ought to be able to look at humankind, we ought to be able to look at uh, the human brain and think, goodness gracious, how in the world could there not be a God, and oh, by the way, here's what his nature is like, here's what his character is like. We have all that we need to know about God, and yet, rather than getting to know him as he is for who he is And then reflecting him as such as his image bearers, which is what we're designed to do, by the way, right? We're designed to reflect him as his image bearers. But rather than reflecting him, here's what we do. We rival him. Rather than reflecting God and his character and his nature on this earth, we rival him. And here's how we do this. Rather than accepting God for who he is, as he is, where he is, what we do is we bring him down onto the earth, we dress him up in flesh and bone, and we make him to be something other than what he is. So rather than worshiping the God of the Bible, we exchange the truth about him for a lie. And here's the result of that. We create our own God. We create our own God. So we're no longer worshiping the God of the Bible. We're worshiping a God of our own making. Which, by the way, is the definition of idolatry. One theologian helpfully observes, he says that the God of the Bible has departed from us and another God is making their home amongst us. This is a God that we have made, and because we have made him, we can understand him. And because we have created him, he can never surprise us, never overwhelm us, never astonish us, nor can he transcend us. A God of our own creation can never overwhelm us, never challenge us, never astonish us, never transcend us. What a powerful statement. I think it's a true statement. The question is, is so, so why, if, if, if this is true, why would we do this? Why would we take the God of the Bible from where he is, as he is, and bring him down into our world? And I think the answer to that question is because a God that we create is a God that we can measure. This is gonna hurt a little bit, okay? And a God that we can measure is a God in some ways that we can control. A God that we can measure is to one degree or another a God that we can control. And so here's the question I have for you. If that's true, and I think it is, then who is God in that scenario? We are. If a God that I can create is a God that I can measure, and therefore is a God that I can control. God's no longer God, I am God. And when I reign and rule over my life, how's that gonna go? It's not gonna go really well. No wonder we're filled with anxiety and depression and fear and all the other crazy feelings and emotions that happens to us. It's because rather than allowing God to be God, we remove him from his throne. We elevate ourselves. In an effort to get to know him, we elevate ourselves to the point where we are now pulling the strings of God. Wow, A God that we can predict into one degree or another is a God that we can control. Now here's the major problem with this. This little G God is not the big G God of the Bible. Let's just... Get that out straight. Let's make sure we're clear on that. The, this little G God that we've created is not the big G God of the Bible. For the God of the Bible is infinite in every way, shape, or form. That's the first attribute that we're going to look at in this series is that God is infinite. To be infinite means that he is immeasurable. It means that he is boundless It means that he is unsearchable. It means that he is limitless in time and space. He is completely and totally free. He's unlimited. God is immeasurably good. He is immeasurably just. He is immeasurably powerful. He is immeasurably forgiving. It means that his love is immeasurable, his grace is immeasurable, his control is immeasurable. God is ultimately and totally other than this world. He is limitlessly holy and set apart from anything else on this earth. And because God is limitless, that means he cannot be contained. He cannot be measured. Did you know you think about this did you know that you cannot build a box big enough to contain god that's your big toe you can't build a box big enough that can contain a limitless god you know king solomon he figured this out when he was trying to build god a temple in first kings 8 Verse 27 he, he even observes this. This is what he says in verse 27. He says, "But will God indeed dwell on the Earth?" Question mark? He says, "Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built?" King Solomon is known as the most wealthy, wisest, most successful man who's ever lived on the face of the planet, and even him, is going, "How in the world can I build a house that can contain God?" With endless resources, most extravagant building, and you you know you gotta you gotta you know meet Solomon where he's at. He's thinking, man, I live in this illustrious building, this illustrious uh, uh, place. How how then can I not build something beautiful and amazing for God? How can I not do that? And yet, even him, there's nothing that is big enough. There's nothing extravagant enough, expensive enough. To be able to contain the infinite God. He even says this. He says. If all of heaven cannot contain you. How in the world will this house that I have built. Contain you O God. In this narrative with Solomon. You kind of get this sense. You get a sense of Solomon's smallness. In the presence of God's bigness. This idea that. God cannot be contained. No matter what kind of box that you place him in, he's always going to transcend it. No matter how much you try to understand him, he's always going to exceed your expectations. So we've got to understand this morning that the God of the Bible is the almighty. He's the almighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's alpha and omega. He's the creator and the sustainer of the world. And therefore, he cannot nor will he ever be contained by our limited minds but this is a huge problem for us isn't it it's a huge problem see for God to be infinite it means that he cannot be contained but it also means that he can't be measured he cannot nor will he ever be measured in Psalm 145 verse 3 the psalmist writes great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable that means that you and I will never stumble upon God's greatness there's no amount of study, there's no amount of books that we can buy, research that we can engage in that we will ever arrive at the greatness of God. It's unsearchable. In Psalm 147.5, the psalmist continues, that great is the Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Even God's understanding is beyond measure. We will never, ever come to a point where we arrive at the infinite nature of God. Now, here's the reason this is a problem for you and for me. For most of life, it's measured, isn't it? You know, my height is measured. I know exactly how tall I am. Unfortunately, my weight is measured. It's a lot more unfortunate after the holidays. But it's okay, it's part of my New Year's resolution. Don't judge me. Right? Unfortunately, again, my intellect can be measured this is the reason why many of us love math and science because we can solve some of the most complex problems on the earth because we can measure them we can measure them we are a people who can measure things but to be able to measure as I mentioned a minute ago is to some degree the ability to control the ability to control now how many of you, this is kind of fun how many of you have seen the movie Hoosiers come on I know y'all have seen that movie. It's a great movie. It's a classic. You're not an American unless you've seen that movie. you got to see it. You know, it's this, it's this really cool movie about this small group of country boys in Hickory, Indiana, right, playing basketball in, you know high school. And, you know, they make it. They fight all the way to the state championship. And they find themselves in the state championship game. They've, they've laid it all, all out on the court. They've worked hard. They've made it all the way there. And then they show up to the game. And then they walk into the gym, maybe you remember the scene, and their eyes are as, I mean, their eyes are huge as they look at this massive arena that they get to play in. I mean, it's like 10 times the size of anything that they've ever experienced, especially as a small town in in Indiana. And then Coach Dell does something brilliant. Out of his pocket, he pulls out a tape measure. He looks at one of the boys and he says, hey, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go from the baseline to the free throw line. I want you to, I want you to measure that. And so the boy gets the tape measure. He measures it and he goes, okay, what do you think? He said, well, it's about 15 feet. So okay. He hands the tape measure to another one of the boys. And he says, all right, I want you to measure from the rim to the ground. How many feet are there? He said, well, it's about 10 feet. And here's what Coach Dell says. I love this. Coastell says, I think that you'll find it's the exact same measurements as our gym back home in Hickory. Now why is that important? Because it reminds us that when we can measure something, it gives us a certain level of comfort and control. When you and I are able to measure something, it gives us a sense of comfort and a sense of control. But when it comes to God, this comfort and sense of control is only a facade. It's a facade that is telling you that you are worshiping a God of your own creation and not the God of the Bible. Not the God of the Bible. See, just like Solomon figured out we cannot build a box big enough to contain God. We can't do it. Because if we could, he would no longer be worthy of your worship. If you or I or the greatest, smartest theologian that's ever walked the planet could figure out God, he would no longer be worthy of our worship because he would no longer be God. As it is, God is infinite you know this problem was the same thing that the pharisees struggled with in the new testament you know leading up to the first century right they'd experienced a lot of loss right they're, they haven't heard from god in over 400 years we've talked about that at length you know messiahs have come and gone uh, you know hope is waning they're still living under roman oppression Awaiting this Savior who's going to come, put an end to the Roman government. He is going to reign and rule, and they're going to reign and rule alongside of him. And they're going to reign and rule from Mosaic law. Finally, our King is going to come, and He's going to make all things right. And so, what did they do? What did they do? They built a box, they were looking for a Messiah. And they built a box. They built a box of rules and expectations for God, his coming Messiah, and people. They built a box. But the problem is is that when Jesus did come, he didn't fit into their box. And he didn't fit into their box to the point where they ultimately rejected him and ultimately led him to a Roman cross where he was crucified why all because he didn't fit in their box he wasn't the king he wasn't the messiah that they had expected he didn't fit into their box and so you may be asking the question okay Logan well well what do we do with all of this if this is true well, well what do we do well point number 1 we all need to understand that god is limitless he is limitless and he has created us to be limited and hear this this is really important And that is a really, 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 really good thing. It is a good thing that God is limitless, that he has created us to be limited. It's not just a good thing, that is a great thing, because it is only in our limitedness that we can ever truly value and appreciate the limitlessness of God. It's only when we understand that God is unlimited that you and I are limited that we can ever truly value and appreciate him. In fact, it's like Solomon, when we realize that we have nothing to offer God, at that moment, we're experiencing fertile ground for worship to thrive and exist in our life. When you and I realize that God is limitless, that we are limited, and that we have nothing to offer him, that we cannot bridge that gap that is when you and I experience the fertile ground where worship can exist. But that's not only it. When we understand that God is limitless and that we are limited, here's what we're able to do. We're able to give ourselves grace for the limited creatures that we are. And maybe one or two or several of you need to hear that this morning, is that you are limited And that's okay. You can give yourself grace this morning. But then also, here's what it does. It allows us to recognize the fact that the people around us in our lives are also limited. And so we're able to give them grace too. No longer do we have to expect anybody in our lives to be perfect to be without flaws, but we can receive their flaws and we can extend them grace because there's only one who is unlimited. There's only one who is perfect and it's nobody in this room. Understanding that God is limitless and that we are limited allows us to see ourselves rightly. It allows us to see others rightly. It allows us to see our world as it ought to be seen. But then number two, we need to understand that God is only as big as the box that we place on him. Here's what I mean by that. We've got to understand that God is only as big as the box we put on him. Here's, here's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that so often we focus so heavily on the box that we are building in order to put on God that we miss God altogether. Maybe you can relate to that. I know I certainly can, that I spend so much time trying to build this, God, this box, trying to figure God out and all of these things that, that I get so focused on these certain things in life that I miss God altogether. And so I find myself in a place where I'm bored with God or um, he no longer astonishes me amazes me I, I lose that sense of awe when it comes to god it just becomes another thing a part of my life and i can compartmentalize him on sundays or on wednesdays you know, And in the rest of my days you know, rest of my week i can just go about life how i want to go about life but my prayer this year and I, and I hope you'll join me in this is that you would you would pray that god would shatter that box That he would take a gigantic sledgehammer and just crush that box. That as we study who God is, that you would allow him to return that sense of awe of him to you, to your heart, to your mind. That you'd be astonished by him, that you'd be wowed by him, that you'd be amazed by him, and you would even allow him to transcend you and your plans for your life. Our prayer is that God would shatter the boxes that we put on him. You know, I don't know about you, but I want God to be so much bigger than me and the world that I inhabit. This this world, that this life that I live, and don't get me wrong, my life is great. But I want him to be bigger than that. I want him to be greater than that. And I want him to be much more than the world that I inhabit. I want to know that there is something more than than what meets the eye, that in some strange way, while I'm never going to understand it all, that I am a part of something bigger than what lies directly in front of me. I want to know in 2023 that I'm a part of something bigger, something greater, than just what lies ahead of me, in front of me, or behind me. And in the same way as a church, I pray that God is going to shatter the box that we place on him, I pray that he will astonish us as a church, that he will amaze us as a church, that he will do great things amongst us as a church. And I pray, I pray that God will show us that we are a part of something much bigger, much greater than what meets the eye. A.W. Tozer, he writes this, I love this. He says, how completely satisfying it is to turn from our limitations to a God who has none. Eternal years lie in his heart. For him, time does not pass, it remains. And those who are in Christ share with him all the richness of limitless time and endless years. And hear this God never hurries. God never hurries. There are no deadlines against which he must work. Only to know this is to quiet our spirits and to relax our nerves. Isn't it great to know that God never hurries? Isn't it great that there are no deadlines of which God has to work, that God can't meet, that he knows exactly what he needs to do right when he needs to do it at the exact time that he needs to show up? I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I just get a sense of peace. Peace a sense of rest that comes over me as I hear the truth that God is limitless and I am limited and I can trust him to fill the gap. In 2023, you can trust him to fill the gap in your life. I pray you will. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace to us this morning. God, thank you for the love that you have shown to us in Christ Jesus, that while we were weak, at just the right time, you sent your son Jesus to bridge the gap of the limitless to the limited so that we could know you. My prayer is that we would start the year 2023 off right by knowing you Walking with you and enjoying you in all that 2023 is going to bring. And Father, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org. Or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.